So I was really into Batman growing up. Yeah. As, um, like my choice of comic book. Uh, were you into comic books growing up? Uh, I was into... I had a few comic books. Like I remember having a few Star Wars comic books, uh, a couple Spider-Man. I think I still got them actually at the bottom of my cupboard somewhere. But I was more so into the cartoons. Like the cartoons were what got me into it. Like the Batman 90s cartoon, um, the Spider-Man cartoon, some of the live-action Spider-Mans. Uh, that was what really got me into like comics and superheroes and that sort of stuff. That's and then I think Power Rangers was like the one thing that I was obsessed with as a kid. That oh, just really? <laughs> the, the, the original like TV series? Yeah, yeah. the original. With uh, Tommy as the... Tommy, Jason... Yeah, my favourite was always Zack, for some reason, the Black Ranger. Okay, so. that's cool. I've very recently gone back and watched the Power Rangers film. Yeah. That's a good film. It's a good film, that, isn't it? That <laughs> film is kind of, it's, uh, in my eyes, standing the test of time. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first learned how to play guitar, <laughs> the first thing, one of the first things I learned was the little, like, uh, watch uh, intro yeah. thing. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Did I... Um, I went back and listened to the soundtrack because oh, okay. actually that movie has actually got a really good soundtrack. It does. It had like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers on it. A Red Hot Chili Peppers. It had Van Halen on it as yes, well. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. It's that last kind of like scene. In right. And I always remember that scene was like, I remember that song and that scene and I never found that song until I was much older when I started playing guitar and that was what got me into Van Halen and started me on my guitar oh, journey wow. and stuff. You know what? I've always thought that movie has a really good soundtrack yeah. and I've never heard another human vocalize <laughs> that. I'm glad that I haven't gone crazy in my head. Uh, it's legit. I love it. I was listening to it and I trained to it and just do stuff to it. It's, it's good. Nice. So you play guitar. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, I've been playing for... 15 years now oh wow that's cool so yeah I started uh, first year high school yeah and just sort of kept going with it through high school and then I just pick it up every now and then nice we have so much more in common man than I thought <laughs> <laughs> we would that's cool I also started playing my first year of high school yeah yeah and what was your reason for starting uh, I think you had to make that choice when you're in year 70 right of either choosing drama music or art yep and I don't know I think um I don't know, there might have been like a high school band at the school that I went to and I just thought they looked fucking cool and I yeah. just was like, I want to be cool like that. Yeah. So I remember telling my parents like, oh, I'm doing music and then like, oh, and I said, because I, I think you had to say what instrument you played and I think I might have said, oh, I play guitar. I did not play guitar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they bought me a guitar for Christmas and I remember just, I don't know, however many days between Christmas and school just freaking out and just trying to learn how to play and i remember thinking like maybe everyone will just be awesome at your rate music for some reason yeah. so i got myself really good in a short time and i got to music and i was like oh no one knows what they're doing like yeah. so uh i put all this weird pressure uh do you still play music i do like i when i find the time and i'm just like oh it's there yeah i'll pick it up and play and uh i don't know like I admit, I don't know how to read sheet music. I I learned a little bit, and I remember like every good boy deserves fruit and face and stuff like oh, that. Okay, yeah, yep. But I could never translate that to what all of that meant onto a guitar, yeah, onto a fretboard. So I just learned how to read tabs, and that's all I do these days. Is like, oh, I feel like learning this song, so I'll pull up a tab and just sit there and play it for a few hours and go, yeah, it's enough. And that's cool. So nothing too serious, but yeah. So here's a, here's a good question. Because this is something that I've really struggled with over time and we kind of have similar interests. How have you... Did you find it hard to keep making space for music 
as you grew and had other interests that maybe, um, you know, I guess people who are generally interested in physical activities aren't always necessarily like the artsy type and yep. vice versa. How did you have you ha- found time for music or has it just been hard to? Um, I like I. I suppose like I still find time for music, but not like to play it. I still listen to it and appreciate it a lot more now that I have got that bit of a musical and creative background. Like it's, I like when I train, there's always that song that sort of pumps you up and you can sort of appreciate that a lot more. And then you start thinking about that. You start thinking about the art and the effort that goes into it. And then like comparing that to, you know, let's just say like training it's an art form like moving is an art form moving is creative moving isn't just you know getting from point a to point b or moving something from point a to point b it's it's creative it's a it's a fluid process at the same time so like i've sort of tried to link the two together that way somewhat but like yeah it like maintaining a sort of creative mind while doing physical fitness it's hard, but then that's where like body training and uh, body weight training and ninja I was training comes say, into it. Do you think that's a? Because I had the same struggle, and I still do. Uh, you know, like so much of fitness, uh, and especially like so much of traditional successful like methods of like going from A to B as quickly as you can, are very regimented. Yeah. Leave no space for creativity, and I know that for myself, one of the things that I really struggled with when I started training was. I really loved anything that looked like a little bit unorthodox with yeah. training. Then I really gravitated to yeah. that because I think there was space for freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, and I've often wondered like whether other people who are creatives who end up finding themselves in a uh, in a very regimented type background, um, whether it be fitness or something else, really struggle with that and struggle yeah. with that expression. And as you were saying that, I kind of think about like a lot of the training in um, – I guess, would you call it ninja training or bodyweight training? Yeah, just functional. You could call it functional, but then everything is functional in a way. Yeah. It just depends on what you're functioning for. We'll, <laughs> say, we'll say ninja warrior training for people listening yeah. so that there's context, right? Like that area there has a lot more freedom of expression yeah. from my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and like I'm, this, I'm in a similar sort of boat to you. Is like I, as much as I do love like lifting weights and, you know, just the traditional forms of cardio and or traditional forms of like regimented training i do love anything that is unorthodox and i think that's sort of what made me gravitate towards ninja a little bit more was just like oh it's like there's no set course ever uh it's the same with martial arts as well it's like there's nothing ever set in stone it's like yeah there is a path and a way to do things but then there's always a million and one other different paths you can you know if we if we talk about just ninja specifically like to go up a salmon ladder you can go up one rung at a time you can go up one side at a time you can skip rungs you can skip the entire ladder you can go backwards there's like a million and one different ways to go about it and that's that sort of freedom of expression sort of thing it's it's not just straight and narrow it's always you know you're only limited by your own mindset and you know martial arts ninja music it's all the same there's only there's an infinite amount of possibilities out there yeah like it's it's all the same, but different. Yeah. Yeah, it's that whole everything is everything kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about ninja training for a little bit yeah. before I digress and my brain goes to all the hundreds <laughs> of things I want to talk about. So how do you divide your ninja training? So from from the outside looking in, yep. like uh, as a coach, I kind of see it as like 
you have like hanging movements mm-hmm. you probably have like your plyometric you know jumping type movements uh you know probably like grip strength yep. how how do you um break down the ninja training and such so i would i would break it down to similar to what you just said there is a lot of like hanging and grip strength and more so grip endurance um because obviously you've got 11 obstacles sometimes to do in say five minutes you have to be able to grip for those different obstacles because they're not all just gripping a straight bar there's you know finger holds there's two fingers there's this there's rotating bars you have to be able to swing off of those things so being able to endure that and have a grip strength that just keeps going so that grip endurance that's probably one of the biggest parts about it but then obviously being able to jump being able to land explode to run balance body awareness all of that sort of plays into it as well so it's sort of linking everything about human movement into one sort of form to be able to get from point a to point b at the end of the day so yeah so how i guess when you were really into it how did you break down your training for that like my so for me i always just looked at what i was weak at what did i suck the most at and just keep doing that and then it was like okay now i'm pretty good at balance what's what's lacking now okay my grip endurance is lacking let's go train grip endurance so i'd start like hanging off of stuff repeatedly climbing back and forth on a a rock climbing wall just see how long i could last on there sometimes it was like 15 minutes just going back and forth and back and forth just listening to music okay yep um how long how many times could i go back and forth on a monkey bar Uh, that sort of stuff and then it was like okay now my grip endurance is good now it's time for strength like how much pure grip strength can i develop so it would be like working on the fingertips and you know how much uh how many pull-ups can i do how many like how many fingers can i hang off of how little fingers can i hang off of that sort of stuff and then it's like okay that's that's good now now my balance is crap let's go work on balance again so slack lines rolling on rollers weights anything you can sort of come up with and like when we were at the old base camp there was just an infinite amount of possibilities there like you know we would just come up with something random in a competition and then it would be like oh did not even think about that and it was just because someone looked at something in a different way it's that again freedom of expression creativity yeah how much of ninja warrior is developing your strengths versus learning to use your strengths so the reason why I phrase this question is uh, I often think about this with jiu-jitsu right so um, like uh, I've come into jiu-jitsu with an I often feel like I come into it with an X level of strength maybe like a little bit more than the people I'm normally rolling with but uh, there's this entire obviousness that I often feel where technique completely makes like uh, strength irrelevant so there's often like a decision of like uh, you know, learn to make the position better versus like forcing, forcing it, yeah. the position or whatever. And um, I'm still not sure if I've come up to the, I also haven't been doing it, you know, overly long, but I'm still not sure if I've come up to the, the realization of like whether uh, the people who are really good at it are people who end up um, developing their strengths or end up um, using their strengths as, yeah. a, as, as, as the thing they utilize to, to pursue the thing further. So I see that applying very similar to, because there is freedom of expression and and you might not need to try and do a thing the way that is hard for you versus yeah. just finding a better way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. So I, like, to answer your question, whether it's grip strength or it's like strength or technique, I think you need to have, you definitely do need to have a base level of strength. Like, if you, I feel like if you can't do a pull-up, 
then you are probably stepping too far out of your wheelhouse at the moment. When you start getting to that stage where you can start doing um, pull-ups and you can start controlling your body a little bit more from a bar, then it's like, okay, now how do you apply that technique? And then your strength will come as you start applying those techniques and become more aware of where your body is through space. So when you're like learning to run up a wall, like everyone sort of slips and stumbles at the start. And it's like, okay, like some people will, you know, I've seen some people hurt themselves on the wall before. And it's like, well, it's because they don't know how, how to, you know, land or how to slide down the wall or how to dismount safely. But then once you start learning about your body a little bit more and you learn what's safest, it just starts coming in. So it's, yeah, there is a base level of strength, but then once you've got that, your learning new techniques and learning how to move your body will just keep building that strength. So I think it becomes more about the strength. Um, it starts off being strength-based and then it becomes more about body awareness and just being able to control that a lot better, yeah. skill-based. Have you found that there's like a specific type of athlete that does well at n this sort of um, style of like training and like our competition, like Ninja Warrior stuff? Like Definitely gymnasts. Yeah. Like gymnasts just have such an awesome awareness of where their body is in space. Like I've done a little bit of gymnastics now and just being able to see how these people sort of like move and flip and control their body like it and then like learning about shapes and all that sort of stuff it's like they processing all of this in such a rapid pace whereas i'm still like okay like for a handstand shape you gotta be arms up you gotta be standing tall and then you move into all of that just goes through their head just like that it doesn't doesn't take like half a second uh and that's why i think they're so successful in ninja because it they can process stuff coming at them really, really quickly. They can adjust. They can move their body so much easier than what, you know, a basic strength athlete would be able yep. to. Someone that just squats and deadlifts. Yeah. Uh, I would almost assume that people who are just very strength-based probably would find Ninja Warrior stuff hard just because maybe being a little bit heavier and stockier or not really. Uh, like, I wouldn't rule out those people because, like... I tend, I do okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm on the heavier side, but I, I do all right. Um, there are some other athletes that I know that I train with here in SA that about the same weight. Um, they lift just as heavy as me, if not heavier sometimes, and they do amazingly well. Like, okay, yeah. So it's, you know, to rule out any one person would be unfair because anyone can do anything. I don't doubt that. Yep. Uh, so you mentioned using some rock climbing. So do you do much boat? Were you utilizing much bouldering yeah, for your uh, training? So I actually like sort of fallen in love with bouldering uh, ever since I started Ninja. Okay. And it was just like, it was sort of a no-brainer to make that sort of a supplement <coughs> to my training. It was just like, okay, like, how do you get better grip strength? Go climb. Uh, so yeah, I've started climbing and I try to make it a regular thing. Um, try to go once a week at least and just try and test myself. And again, it's that grip strength, grip endurance sort of thing. So it all just sort of marries up really nicely. So I started doing that a lot more and I do enjoy it. That's cool. I have a question about bouldering. Yeah. I've only ever done it casually with friends uh, and I really I really like it. And I've always had this, I guess, idea of, um, especially since there's like bouldering gyms, right? Yeah. Um, what is a bouldering? Like if, if if I went, if I just, if a person decided I'm now going to be like, a climber? Is that yeah. the correct word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to be a climber, uh, does the session like I'm trying to I'm trying to put a framework of like structure and rigidness over this and then yeah. another part of me is wondering whether it's just all freedom and fun and games. 
do people just go and climb just for an hour and just do whatever they want yeah. or do people go like you know I can't help but like want to put like sets and reps to it <laughs> like I'm going to do like the proper wall the yeah. proper wall like 20 times and then yeah. I'm going to try and do the whatever the next wall is like yeah. X amount of times or I'm yeah. going to do it for 10 minutes I'm going to rest how does it work? So you can do both. <laughs> um, what, I, what do successful people do? I, I got no idea because I'm not successful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I, I think you do need to have a bit of both. Um, I think you definitely, there is times where you just sort of go in and just casually climb. You, you climb for like two, three hours, but you're not climbing for two, three hours. You're, you know, you're on the wall for whatever, 30 seconds, jump off, sit around, talk with your mates, sip coffee, have a drink, you know, have a bit of a laugh. Then after, you know, five, ten minutes has passed, you go climb again. Like, I see a lot of people do that and it's just, like, it's that building, that com- that rock climbing community tends to be like that, just very chilled and very casual. But then you can take it a little bit more seriously and go, all right, we're going to work on, you know, going through all of the green climbs, for example. Like, I, d- I did that last week too because I felt like I needed, all right, a little bit more of a pump in my forearms just to sort of get the endurance happening. So I was like, all right, let's go and see how quickly I can do all the green walls and go and do that. So I think to be successful in climbing, you would need to have some sort of strict regimen, but then that freedom of expression and just that playfulness would definitely make up a big part of it as well because, you know, you're going to see a problem on the wall differently if you just play and spend more time playing will just open up your mind a lot more than strict training just up and down will. Yep, yep, I see. Uh but don't don't quote me because I'm no expert on rock climbing. No, I just I find um you know I find the outlook that we have to training uh, can make such a big difference and in, in what we get out of it. You know I, I've I'm gonna sound so silly about <laughs> what I'm gonna say now, but like I had this incredible realization on Wednesday at Jiu Jitsu, yeah, which is something that I probably have I've listened to I've not heard it. Does that make sense? Like yeah. like the words have been set to my brain, but I'm yeah. stupid, so it took me like <laughs> a while to like actually process. But I had this revelation of like, we get shown techniques every class, right? Yeah. And then we get to roll. Yeah. And then, like often, I'll just do what I normally do. Yeah. And then the other day I had this revelation of like, I should probably try and practice the techniques that we just yeah. wish. And it's this idea, I'm like, this is never, you know, this has probably set, been said to me lots of times. But yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess that's how you would get better at those techniques. Like you'd have to practice them yeah. more often. Yeah. But because there's, ch- there's like a choice you know, in jiu-jitsu, you get given the choice of, like, how you treat your rolling time is up to you, right? Yeah. And, um, like, I think too much. And, I, you know, I'm always observing, like, how are people progressing? Like, why do some people get better than others? Yeah. Why do I not get better? Why, when I have gotten better, why have I gotten better? And it's, like, I can't help but think, like, there's obviously people that in the experience make a better choice, right? Yeah. Like they're making the choice of, like, maybe doing the thing that uh, maybe leads to failure more in a short-term period, mm-hmm. right? When you fail at doing the technique, you don't get that immediate reward of of doing well in the role but really that's probably the thing that leads to like better progress right yeah um versus just always doing the thing you want to do which gives you the immediate reward yeah yeah it's uh, i think that it's like if you spend your rolling time just doing what you know and not exploring new possibilities you sort of pigeonhole yourself to just this one game plane and it's like it's like driving on a road and then all of a sudden there's roadworks in front of you but they have put detour signs up. It's like, oh crap, what do I do? Do I just sit and wait for the roadworks to finish? It's like, no, you, you go and explore these different pathways and find out, okay, how, how am I going to pass this guy's legs now? Because he's shut down every possibility that I know. Let's experiment a little bit more. And then 
uh, you know, try and apply something new and, you know, you might unlock some new pathway and some new superpower or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, I think that it comes down to a little bit of, like, I think deep down, like I know with myself, I won't, I'll, I'll speak from experiences. Like for me, when I was training heavily in jiu-jitsu, a lot of that was like egotistical rolling. I was just like, oh, I can't lose the roll. I can't lose the roll. But now I look back and it's just like, it's just training. Like you're there to get better. The only way you to get better is to fail. And if you're not failing in training and rolling in a safe space where your gym should be a safe space, then when it comes to competition, when it, you know it is do or die in a sense, then you're you're not gonna come up the way that you want to. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, that's why this little revelation yeah. the other day was such a. And that's the thing. I think for the first time ever, instead of just because I've. I've known and set like uh, I've had this conversation in my head lots of times, but I've never actually applied it to yeah. like roll like it's like I'm gonna it's like ninety nine percent of the way I'm like three two one I'm gonna do that and then it's like no I'm not I'm yeah. gonna do it yeah you just get lost <laughs> in the moment yeah, yeah yeah um and for the first time the other day I was like okay no try and and I'm not gonna lie like I was not able to pull off yeah. but you know I had that realization at the end of like yeah. you know what that's the, that's way closer than not and yeah. then next roll I'll et cetera try and exactly. do it again. Um, so and then, how you, how and then you pick on a small white belt and go, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so how did you get into jiu-jitsu? I'm really interested in this part. Uh, so if we go way back to high school, I um, was getting bullied and picked on as usual. Um, I wasn't very fit and just hated school soccer. So when year 12 finished, it was like, oh, finally I can get out of doing something that I hate and let's go do something that I enjoy. And... Um, I remember um, playing Tekken a lot at that time yep. and Paul Phoenix was like my character that I was playing as and he his style was karate and judo. So I was like, oh, oh let's, uh, let's go do judo because yep. I like the way that Paul throws people and then he's got that. So I was like, yeah, let's go learn judo and then we'll do karate later and be just like Paul Phoenix. And then I started doing judo. I got really into that for a a while and then at the end of the year uh, I had a mate actually asked me to go and try jiu-jitsu with him and then from there I just I went and trained and I was like I like this I like this as well so I started cross training both and then eventually my days just became more and more jiu-jitsu and less and less judo and then I just just fell so in love with jiu-jitsu that I just started training that six seven times a day or seven cool, times a week and yeah that's it um, what did you like more about jiu-jitsu than judo uh, it just, I felt a lot more comfortable on the ground. Like I, in judo, like I was good. I didn't have a lot of like body awareness and balance at that stage. So I just found myself just getting hammered every time I was there and just, you know, I didn't feel like I was getting any better. I didn't like, even though I was, it just didn't feel like the training that I sort of wanted at the same time. But like, I still learned a lot from it. I just felt like when I went to jiu-jitsu, I learned so much more and just got so much more out of it. So, yeah, I just fell in love with that and just liked on the ground a lot more because I could move a lot better and felt a lot more confident with myself. And at the time, I wasn't a very confident person. I was very shy, insecure, you know, coming out of high school and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, jiu-jitsu just helped me grow my confidence a yep. lot more as well. So, uh, Both are brutal sports, but <laughs> judo is a very brutal sport. Yeah, and like... In a different way, like in a, um, in a, you're, especially at the start, like you are getting thrown, <laughs> like, Constantly, and, you, and you don't yeah. know how to fall. 
yeah and, like you're just getting hurt and it's um it's probably a sport that you need to learn i would assume i'm sure you can probably learn at any stage and i would need to ask this to a proper judo person but i feel like that sport would feel very different learning it if you were a kid yeah. than an adult yes uh definitely because <laughs> you don't have all the bones as yeah. a kid you bounce yeah of course <laughs> you get thrown around you just you bounce back you just up. bounce back up yeah and uh, like i do i do still appreciate judo um, and honestly, I think judo, it, you need to have a much higher ability and skill level to be successful than what you do in jiu-jitsu, to be honest. Um, that's not to say that you, you know, jiu-jitsu is easier or anything. It's just I feel like because in judo, one throw can end it all. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, you make a mistake, you can recover from it. Yep. Judo, sometimes you just can't. So I, th- I feel like you got to have just that little bit more in judo than what you do in jiu-jitsu, to be honest. But having done both, that's how I feel it is. So, so how many years ago is this when you started jiu-jitsu? Uh, so, I think jiu-jitsu is now 11 years ago. Uh, I was 18. So, yeah, 11 years ago. Nice. So, here's a question I always have about... Jiu-jitsu has this really interesting quality that lots of other disciplines do not, uh, which I find really interesting, which is people do it for a really long time. Mm. And people stay with it for a really long time. Mm. People leave it, come back to it. Uh, and there's very few other disciplines, especially physical ones, that people have, like, let's say people do powerlifting. Yeah. People don't often stop powerlifting and then come back to it. Yeah. Uh, people do CrossFit. People don't often, like, stop doing it at a certain level and then come back to it. People, uh, no matter, w- insert lots of disciplines. But jiu-jitsu is this one where I've seen people, they do it for 10 plus years, 15 mm. years, et cetera, like 20 years. Um, and it's just something in their life that's just a constant they come back to. Why do you think people are able to stick to it or do it for such a long time? Uh, Because I think there's a lot of things. Like community is definitely one of them. Like you make so many great friends through it and just that whole camaraderie of uh, supporting everyone and trying to make everyone else better, not just yourself. That's definitely one aspect of it. But then also like when you get to a certain level you can learn how to pace yourself a lot better you don't have to go 100 miles an hour every single time you roll you can you can roll slowly you can just focus on the technique there is always there's a there's so many different ways to train and to still train in the art and still appreciate the art it doesn't always have to be competition it doesn't always have to be you know hard and fast all the time you can take it slow like it is called the gentle art even though half the time it isn't, especially for you and I, <laughs> it's not. But, um, you know, you can be really gentle with it and just go through the movements and treat it like sort of like a yoga or a meditation if you really wanted to. And I think that's why people sort of stick with it because they don't just, you know, some people don't like training hard, but some people do enjoy that meditation aspect of it where it's, you know, you come in and you don't, you can't think about work when you've got, someone that's 120 kilos on top of you trying to yeah. choke you out. Yeah, it's of course, yeah. And yeah, that's definitely part of it. It's There's so many things. That yeah, everything disappears as soon as you go. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and if it isn't, you are going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that. I've, ha- I've had times where I've just started thinking about like, what am I going to eat tonight when I get home? Or, you know, what game am I going to play tonight? Yeah. Or uni work or whatever it was that I was doing at the time. And yeah, it just doesn't end up well. I think one of the worst mistakes I've, I've ever made was like, just checking my phone just before a roll. And I don't think I got a good message on my phone. And then the entire time I could not, s- yeah. like it was probably the one time where I wasn't able to switch off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was not a, that was not a very good role. I've had that before. Yeah, not good. Um, so, 
we went from I guess you went from martial arts mm-hmm. as like so- soccer martial arts yeah uh, then into uh, regular gym training and then into ninja warrior so I <sighs> soccer was just I only did it because everyone at school did it and a lot of my friends did it and I was like oh school made us do a sport so I was like oh my friends are doing that so I'll do that I was never good at it I was never fit like my friends used to laugh at me all the time because I couldn't run a lap around the oval like I would I literally would stop halfway and walk because I just wasn't fit Um, and then uh, I remember it was like year 10 they opened up the gym at lunch times so I would go into the gym and just started lifting weights and I got a I started off with just a set of dumbbells at home and then started adding more and more and more so I started with the gym training and then I was like, oh, I want to do martial arts now. So I'd, I'd gotten to a certain level of strength and I was like, yeah, I feel confident to start martial arts. So I started and then went from there. Um, started doing jiu-jitsu and kept doing the gym work as well. So I remember when I was working as an engineer, I would train at the gym at 4.30 in the morning, go and work and finish work and then go straight to jiu-jitsu. And then go home, sleep, get up, do it all again. So I, you know, love doing both. And then, yeah, just sort of evolved from there. So that that was your previous career before fitness? Yeah. So engineer and then gave that up and then became a PT. Okay. Um, so you're giving me so many things to, to <laughs> ask you now again. Uh, tell me about that. So you finished school, you did engineering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to, I finished school. Went and studied electrical and mechatronic engineering. So building robots was the end goal. Uh, so I did that. And then I had two jobs out of that. Uh, the first job, I was flying back and forth between Cairns and Saudi Arabia. And the job was to look after this aircraft laser measurement system. So I had to basically be on call 24-7 to look after that because they were flying you know, around the clock usually. So wherever that system was, whatever plane in the world, I had to follow it. So Cairns and Saudi Arabia were the two contracts at the time. So I flew there with them. So I had that for a little bit. I didn't like that FIFO life. So I gave that up and then uh, had another job here in Adelaide. uh, That was more sort of office based and desk job based, which didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy that environment at all. So I was going through a tough time, like life wise at that time as well. And just decided, no, I don't want this. I want to change careers and do something that's, you know, I'm passionate about and at the time I was like what do I like doing and I was like I like being in the gym so I was like alright how can I make a living out of being in the gym oh personal trainer so I went and started to be a PT and here we are that's cool um, okay I'm always really interested when people decide to pursue uh, a passion or maybe like a less uh, like especially going from like such a kind of safe secure kind of like industry like being an engineer to something less um, traditionally stable yeah uh, yeah how long did you, how long did it take how long were you thinking about it like changing careers and going uh, well I I had a probably about a year year and a bit in the engineering field um, and I was thinking about it for probably about probably since like the end of that sec the first job so I think in my second or oh, I can't even remember now was one of the trips where I was just like I I'm I don't think I'm enjoying this like I do like coaching people like because there was people that was like oh can you teach me how to do this in the gym and I would write out programs for them and that sort of stuff and I was like I do like this so maybe maybe it's a thing so I started thinking about it from that early on and then just thought no let's go the safe and secure road and 
do all that and yeah it didn't work out yep there is nothing i think more soul crushing in life than doing being like on the path that you know life isn't meant for you yeah at, at that time in your life like things can always change or whatever um but yeah there is nothing i think more soul crushing than that feeling of like i'm not where i think i need to be yeah and that's what it felt like like i remember that second job i would walk in in the morning i would say good morning to everyone like because it was a small office and i'd be like oh morning everyone and wouldn't even get anything back and it was just like i would sit at my desk like facing a wall people would be behind me they'd be facing their cubicle and you know some people would get there i would get there at eight o'clock some people would be there from six because there was days where i had to be in at six and they were there before me and they would i would normally finish at 5 30 so 8 till 5 30 sometimes six and they would still be there and i was just like that's that's not the life I want to lead. I don't want to be like that. And just seeing that from other people was just like, no, nah, I can't do this. So, yeah. Um, how did you find the transition um, lifestyle-wise uh, from an engineer to a PT? I assume it would have been very different. Very different. Uh, I had to go back and just work at Woolworths for a little bit while I was doing study. And then it was, I had to quickly learn a lot on the job. So once I'd finished study, it was like, all right, straight into good life and learn how to run a business and just build a business from scratch. And, you know, I did that pretty quickly. And now I'm at a point, you know, five years on where things are moving nicely and, you know, we're able to explore different areas and have a little bit more fun on the side. So Yeah, that's cool. Uh, What have you found to be the challenges of um, the PT life? Uh, the business side of it is, n- it's like I said, it's never been my strong suit and I just sort of had to learn on the fly. Uh, so that's probably been the, the hardest part, you know, managing the back end stuff. Coaching people, I find, is really easy. Like you can, you know, stand out on the floor and teach people how to exercise and I can do that pretty easily. Like coaching movement, fixing movement, all that sort of stuff. It's generally pretty easy. Sometimes you do get stumped and it's a little bit of problem solving, but... I find that a lot easier than the back end stuff. It just, yeah, something just doesn't click. It was like when I was in uni and maths, there was like calculus that clicked. Statistics could never understand it. Like it's could never do it. This is the exact same. Coaching, understand it. Business side, it just doesn't click. Yeah, I mean, I think they require very different. Um, and I think that's this is a very common dilemma that I think all personal trainers. Uh, often face like uh, it's very rare to get a personal training job where you just are a trainer and you don't have to worry about the business side of things Uh, but yeah I think the parts of the brain that uh, make trainers good require a very different part of the brain that make business owners good Mm. which probably a different part of the brain than like maybe engineers will utilize as well yeah and I think it does come back to that little bit of that creative side again like I, I like being creative I like drawing I like arts i like that sort of stuff i love music like all that sort of stuff it's very creative and i feel like coaching is creative yeah um because you know you can write out a program and at the end of the day any program will work for someone to get them to a goal um it's just you know putting your own sort of spin on it in a way that makes sense as well yeah i i i think that's where my brain is it just likes creativity yep uh what um as far as coaching goes uh what are some of the what are some of the big takeaways you've kind of like gotten as a a (coughs) what am i trying to ask 
you learn a lot of from people when yeah. you coach them, right? And especially after you spend a lot of years trying to, um, I always view, I always view being a PT or a coach as this job where you have to try and get people to do something that they say they want to do but often don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what have been some of the things that you've learned from humans uh, on how to get them to do the thing that they say they want to do but often don't actually want to do? Uh, it's still something I'm trying to work out. Um, yeah, like everyone's got their own sort of excuses. and Like at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that everyone has always got their own barriers and obstacles to overcome and it's it's not about doing it on your own it's about working together to overcome those obstacles and i think that's probably the biggest thing i've learned is it's you know like no matter what issue it is it's best tackled together never alone i think i think that's probably the biggest thing i've learned to be honest i think there's i think that's gold like um like that is the value of a coach like having someone in your corner um you know, sometimes, like, even when we ask ourselves questions, like, it's just good to have, like, a reassurance or just to um, have that feedback of um, reinforcement, whether it's to do something or not to do it. Yeah, and, you know, that, that's why I always say to my clients, like, you know, I've got a coach because I don't claim to know everything, nor do I ever want to know everything. I don't think that's possible. So, you know, and it's okay to not know something and ask for help. And, yeah, that's that's been a big lesson for me is, you know, it's okay to ask for help instead of trying to bust your head against the wall, trying to break through all the time. You know, that's something that I've really th- thought about a lot, like, um, and I I think it's really prevalent in the fitness industry, uh, maybe more so than in other disciplines, right? Like, uh, so not all coaches have coaches, like in like the fitness world. Mm. Um, and that is something I've always kind of like just thought about a little bit. Right, because like, I could not imagine doing jujitsu without having a coach. Yeah. Right, like, and I don't think anyone can really imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like it's so obvious. It's like yeah, like somebody with more knowledge, like, will a hundred percent make this journey. Yeah. Easier, quicker, a lot more enjoyable. Like, um, but for whatever reason, like, um, and not even coaches. I think in fitness in general, like, it is it is such a broad thing, and it requires lots of like expertise. And it is this thing that most people, for whatever reason, think like, oh, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can't, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I see that a lot where it's like, I think that comes from a lot of people not knowing, like, using cloudy terms to describe what their goals would be. Like, I get it all the time where it's just like, oh, I want to uh, tone my body and burn, like, what was it, get fit and tone up it's like what does that even mean at the end of the day it's like just getting clear on what it is would make so many things so much easier and you know then you like if you go back to jiu-jitsu it's just like all right what's the goal well you can't know what the end goal is and you need someone else to help you get there yeah yeah yeah, of course no this um yeah this is like a a recurring thing that i deal with every week in consultations with clients like with new people, um, you know, we, we always sit down and we talk about nutrition first and yeah. there's always this conversation of like, the and ev- you, every, every PT probably has to have the same experience, right? Like, it's like, uh, so, like, I want to lose weight and I want to turn up. Yeah. I think I eat pretty good. Everyone <laughs> says that. Everyone <laughs> says, I think I eat pretty good. And it's like, well, you... Like obviously don't. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't you would be sitting. You wouldn't here. be. You wouldn't be asking for help. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Like, 
really often, like in those situations, like I'm like, should I should I leave? Like, <laughs> should I be taking notes from you? Like, should I get a pen a pen and paper? Like, yeah. Um, but people start the. It's such a funny thing. It'd be like going. And I find this so interesting because this doesn't happen in other things. You don't go to... A, maybe people do go to martial arts clubs and yeah. they go like, look, I'm, <laughs> oh, pre- <they> do. <laughs> I'm pretty good at fighting. Like, <laughs> I, hear, I hear stories of people doing that. <laughs> I hear it all the time because yeah, I'm, I'm friends with like a few of the gym owners and I've just heard some stories of people calling them up and just going, oh yeah, I've had, you know, seven fights on the street. I'm ready to go in the cage. Like, put me in there. And my mates are just like, no, and just hang up straight away. It's yeah. like... You get that, I think, in every area of yeah, life. No, you're right. No, people do. <laughs> people do do that. Jiu-jitsu is a really funny thing when people do that, right? Because I have experienced that, where people will will talk like quite a lot just before you're about to roll. You're gonna find out. Like you're gonna in two seconds, we're gonna know what's up. Yeah. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, and often, yeah, people that do say lots of things, um, very rarely back up those things. And it's like this. Re- it's this really. St- I'm like. Why are you saying all these things? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to seem like a liar in two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, you're right. Yeah, people do that, I guess, yeah. in, in all different aspects of life. Yeah, it's true. It's And it's funny when it does happen and people get exposed and then they're just like, oh, uh, turn tail and run. And yeah, <laughs> Hope, hopefully they're humble enough to come back and go, you know what? I was wrong. Let Show me the way. You know what I always think is crazy, man? Like, I still love looking at the all, all the um, old, uh, like Gracie challenges. Yeah. Man, like, the people, I get, I don't know, man, like, I just think, I cannot imagine ever wanting to go into a martial arts dojo and challenge the owner there, like, in front of all the, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. who are these psychopaths that were yeah. just like, I'm just going to take. I, I, yeah, no idea how you would have the balls to do that. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then sometimes, like, the crazy thing is in some of these videos, some of these people are getting beat. They're always getting choked out. Then they wake up and they're like, I'm, I'm good to go. Again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, I get nervous enough going into a new gym here in Adelaide just to cross train just for like an open man. It's yeah. just like, man, they're going in there to like prove themselves. I know. Like, and this is just like me just training for fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess when you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is um, I know you're really into cosplay. Yep. Uh, how did you get into that? Um, so I actually first got into it when I was in that period where I was changed, where I was, where I quit the first job and then I was starting the second engineering job and I was just like, well, I've got all this time on my free hands. There's a convention coming up in what, three months or four months or whatever it was that was quick to, and I was like, I've got all this free time. Let's, let's try this. Let's just have fun with it. Go to the convention. Like I've never been to a convention before. Let me try this and just see what happens. So I spent three months making these wooden swords and costume and putting it all together. Um, and you know, I went there with my mate. He came along as well, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll do the other character." You know, because the the two characters that we went as, um, like one was Zoro from One Piece, the other one was Sanji the cook. Um, they're like rivals, so we friendly rivals. Uh, we went together. And, you know, got a great response from it. And, like, pe- I had people coming up to me all day saying, you know, such a good job on this. And, like, people were, like, really accepting of me. And that's just always sort of, like, sat with me for a long time. It was like, oh, like, this was fun. Like, people people were really friendly and people were really accepting of something that I was just freshly new into. And I just, you know, did when I was bored and had nothing better to do. So, you know, like, I, I made a few other ones for, like, Halloween parties and themed parties that... um 
came around and then obviously life got in the way for a little bit there so I didn't do it and then last year during COVID um, I was sitting around because you know gym's closed and I had nothing to do again <laughs> so I was like well what can I do that would be cool and I was like oh let's why don't we get back into cosplay you know like I did enjoy it that first time and why don't I use it as a way to help people with health and fitness and use that as sort of like the vehicle to drive home my message of, you know, healthy lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I just sort of went from there and just was like, all right, let's let's make these five characters, these costumes and just go to a photo shoot and then whatever happens from there happens. And I've just sort of fallen in love with it since. It's just, I'll go into like my workshop area and just lose myself for hours just you know cutting at foam or grinding away at foam or you know stitching something it just yeah it's meditative and i just lose myself in that moment okay i have lots of questions here yeah let's start with do people who do cosplay do you think them most of them enjoy the making of the costumes or is there like some group of people who just enjoy uh the embodiment of the character that you're trying to create definitely both Definitely both. So, it, like, I know with myself, like, I like characters that are, like, strong male characters or strong female characters because I have done, like, a cross-play, so cross-gender. Yeah. I made a male version. Uh, I think both aspects apply there where it's like, yeah, you know, I enjoyed the whole process of making my three swords for this character because that was fun. But then actually getting to be that character was fun in itself. So, I think there is people that definitely do love both aspects and it just depends on what character you uh, like because I know I know some people that are just like man like Spider-Man is my favourite character like I would love to just get a Spider-Man costume and just be Spider-Man for a day and it's like yeah cool like you can do that you can just buy a costume off of the internet and you know there you go you're Spider-Man and some people enjoy that some people like making it from scratch and there's no right or wrong way yep uh in the convent, like I guess when you like, if you go to a convention, like dressed in cosplay, um, is there like an expectation of uh, imitating the character, or do you? Is there freedom in the culture to, I guess, express yourself as yourself? Both, both. Like when when I do it, I try and be the character as much as I can. So I like, you know, acting like, you know, it it just takes me back to my childhood. Like if yeah. I dressed up as a Power Ranger, I would act like a Power Ranger and do all the crazy hand movements and all the leg movements and everything. And it's exactly the same now. It's like you get into that character and you just want to be that character. Like if I was to do my Wolverine cosplay again, I'd just be super aggressive running around, like screaming, that sort of stuff, you know, like because that's what he does in the movies, you know. Um, if I was doing, let's say, um, like Marvin the Mo Martian, I've done that one as well. Like super goofy, super fun, just, you know, you can be that person and then you can like be yourself it, there's no again there's no right or wrong way to go about it but generally I think most people like like to embody the character to an extent and then just sort of like chill and have fun on their side as well yeah that's cool I think it takes like a high level of, of bravery to like um, and also uh, like good self-intuitiveness to be able to reach and just have that complete self-expression yeah it's and freedom of expression within yourself yeah it's it's definitely, it definitely takes something different to sort of put yourself out there in an environment like that, and it can be confronting and uncomfortable at times. But then, I I actually once I've put on a costume, like I did a photo shoot down at the beach, like I was almost 
bare naked, almost bare naked in this one. Like I literally just was wearing a loincloth, but I felt super confident in it because it didn't feel like it was me. It felt like uh, I was a character and that being that character gave me all this confidence. I was like, hey, I can I can walk around the beach and walk past the cafe full of, full of people and have all of them turn and stare at me and just be like, I'm this character, you know? Like, yeah. And this character that, I don't, that I'm embodying doesn't give a shit what you think and yeah that's that's what it was and that was that was cool so once you get over that uncomfortableness and you just become that character it's yeah it's a good feeling uh now you mentioned that you did some crossplay you called it yeah yeah what was that like uh again it was just like was that was that more challenging or less challenging than that that definitely brought out a lot more of my creative side so it was like okay like yeah you know, i've sat and watched this anime and this character is like this you know she is this badass chick that you know punches and kicks and you know likes to party on the side and have fun it's like all right well what would a male version of that one be and you just sit and think about it and it's like okay well let me put my own twist on what i think a male version would be and just go along with that and yeah and then it's that freedom of expression again just okay there's no right or wrong way to do it and you know you might look at that character and be like yeah that's what i think a male version would look like but then someone else could have a totally different vision and again none are right none are wrong it's at the end of the day whatever you want it to be you can go as detailed and as deep into it as you want you can be as surface level you can just do a complete match a complete copy whatever there's yeah it's all up to you that's cool um, is I? This is just my creative brain thinking. Yeah, a very idea that's probably not very creative at all. Uh, is there much? Is there a market in the fitness slash cosplay world? Like, does that exist? I think there is. Yeah, and I still definitely believe there is because you know fitness. It's not just lifting heavy weights, getting jacked, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, there is so many aspects to it, and I want I generally feel like you know it is a good way to sort of get that message out there that you know you can have a healthy lifestyle that does complement cosplay and they can go both hand in hand because you know walking around a convention all day can get exhausting it's like well how do you not get exhausted so much you know you you do a little bit on the side with your your health and your fitness and it doesn't need to be in a gym it can be out walking it can be hiking it can be doing martial arts it can be rock climbing it can be whatever you want and just trying to spread that message i think is definitely there's definitely a market out there for it yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think it's i think it's super important to um to have those uh i'll call them like non-traditional kind of figures that allow people to venture into a space you know one of my main motivators for when i first did some mma like a long time ago which would have been my whole introduction into fitness i remember watching um I used to love the pride fighting. Yeah. Um, and just seeing Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. Uh, he just looked like a regular dude. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he was my hope because yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't have the world's greatest genetics and I was a chubby kid growing up. Yeah. And I would see him and I'd be like, like, you don't have to look a certain way to do the thing, right? Yeah. Because he doesn't look like most no. MMA fighters, and right? And you look at, like, a lot of MMA, you look at some MMA fighters these days and it's just like, I, 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 there was a meme that was just like this super jack guy was like one champ one like the challenger and then the other guy was just like he looked like a regular Joe and he was the champ and it was just like one of these guys is like the baddest man on the planet at the moment yeah. the other one is like yeah they, they, they've done two of, me of those memes one's got Steve Miocic when he's got his glasses on reading yeah. the newspaper and he just looks like Clark Kent like yeah. 
and then it's like uh, some actor who's like all roided up with tattoos. Yeah. And then they did another one of like Joan Jones, like just yep. looking kind of tired, bit skinny. Yeah. And same thing. And it's like one of these guys would kick the other guys off. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, and that just brings it back. It's like, you know, fitness, is, it doesn't need to be, you know, getting shredded, getting down to 5%, and, you know, starving yourself and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it can be playful and fun and whatever you want it to be, just like cosplay can be. Now, the last question that we'll finish with is, I know you've had a back injury recently. Was it a back injury? Yeah, yeah. I hurt my lower, like, L5-S1. Yep. Uh, what is some good advice that you would offer to people who are recovering from um, just an injury in general? I mean, that's something that, especially in the martial arts space, happens all the time. Like, And for some people, like, an injury can be, like, that can be the end of the journey for them, right? Like, because so much of... Uh, so much of your progression from an injury is the mindset you can apply to it. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the important things is like to remember that your like your identity isn't based around your ability to do that activity. Like just because you lift weights or you do martial arts doesn't mean that that is you completely. And that was like having that told to me was like, oh yeah, that's that's a big reminder. It's like you know I do have other things to focus on outside of that. And then. That was where I focused on, you know, what I could do, not what I couldn't do. And as soon as I started focusing on all the things that I could do, it was like, oh, okay. Like, I hurt my back. I hurt it deadlifting. But then I was like, okay, like, this was like mid-session. I was like, all right, what else can I do in the rest of the session? So, I like, went and tried to squat. I was like, no, nah, I can't squat. Okay, cool. Can I bench press? Yeah, I can bench press. There's a little bit of discomfort, but I can do it. All right, cool. We'll do that. Can I leg press? Yeah, with a little bit of discomfort, but I can do that. And I was just like, okay. Look at all the things that I can't do. Well, look at all the things that I can do compared to the two things that I can't. If I just focus on those two things that I can't do, yeah, I'm going to feel like shit. But if I focus on everything that I can do, there's still a world of possibilities out there. And it's, I think that's the best advice that I can give someone. It's just like, look at all the things that you can do, no matter what your situation is. Like, if there is, there's always something to do. There is always something that you can, um, there is always something you can do to move forward. There's a great quote um, that me and Ty always say to each other. It's like uh, training, fitness, whatever, working towards a goal is always like moving a big pile of dirt. doesn't matter if you've... Well, one day you will have a shovel, one day you will have a spoon, but as long as you get in there, move a little bit of dirt, you're always going to make progress. That is a great way to end the podcast, brother. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today, no, man. Thank you for having me, mate. Uh, if people wanted to follow you, where can they do so? Uh, so just on my Instagram, it's my name, Tony Carusis, uh, but I will change that soon to make it all, everything uniform, which will be Tony Cosplay, which will be Cosplay with a K, um, just so then everything is just super easy because my last name is Greek and very, very complicated. <laughs> so yeah, just my Instagram, Tony Carusis, or on Facebook. Awesome. Uh, make sure to give Tony a follow if you liked what he was all about. And uh, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast crew. Uh, until the next one. Thanks, mate.